And welcome once again to Father's Pitzer's Universe at the intersection of faith and reason where technology has caused us some troubles, but we're working our way through it. I'm Doug Keck. Email your questions to us at spitzersuniversityw10.com. Check out all the Father Spitzer's websites, of course, magiscenter.com, crediblecatholic.com, and purposefuluniverse.com. And of course, as long as everything works right, Father Spitzer's Universe is always available on our EWTN On Demand page and on our YouTube channel. You can also watch a nice documentary on Father James Coyle, Life and Legacy, uh, which was featured recently on EWTN Live with Father Mitch, of course, and uh, our own Jim Pinto was interviewed and is part of that program, so check that out. Our topic today, Satan customizes his temptations. Apparently he was working overtime on us for this program, but we will muddle through. Thanks to Father's book, Christ vs. Satan in Our Daily Lives, available naturally through the EWTN Religious Catalog, the book of the month for EWTN, The Mystery of Divine Love, by a very interesting author and speaker, Father Wojciech Giertik. Check it out. It's worth uh, checking out. Speaking of that, we're going to check out with Father Spitzer out on the West Coast as we, we broadcast our signal and, and cut through some of the uh, problems going in the atmospherics out there. But can you hear me? Yes, I can. That's great. Great to know. Could you uh, kick everything off with a prayer, Father? You bet. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. And Heavenly Father, we thank you so very much for the blessings you give us, especially the blessing of this ministry and our ability to serve in it. Send your Holy Spirit down upon Doug, myself, our whole audience this day, so that everything we do and say will be brought to fruition in your will for the good of your people, your church, and your kingdom. We ask all of these things through Jesus our Lord. Amen. Amen. And Mary, seat of wisdom, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you so much, Father. Great to be back with you. Uh, I heard great things from the Napa concert. Everything, uh, the conference went really well. Oh, yeah, very well indeed. I think the speakers were fantastic. We sort of wound up with uh, a, 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 an interesting protest at the end. Right. Uh, they kind of rolled down the street with the uh, the Satanists and the uh, pro-abortion people mm. collectively uh, shouting. So we began to sing the um, um, uh, Salve Regina. By the time we ended the song, the entire protest was quiet. It was There over. you go. <laughs> Well, no wonder, no wonder our top story talks about an article that came out in The Atlantic, uh, which says uh, how extremist gun culture is trying to co-opt the rosary. Why are sacramental yeah. beads suddenly showing up on AR-15 online? And uh, so uh, our friend uh, Bill Donahue over at the Catholic League uh, mentions, we now have a writing in The Atlantic telling us the rosary has acquired a militaristic meaning for the rad trads. It can be a weapon <laughs> in a fight against evil, but they're trying to make it out like somehow it has to do with some Christian white nationalism. But as God always has a way of making things work out in a different way than the secularists would like, the news story really is rosaries are flying off the shelves after the Atlantic article suggests link to extremism. Multiple online shops, this is reported by our CNA, uh, that sell rosary reported a boost in sales 
after that article came out. And uh, I can tell you that EWTN as well, and we wanted to show you some, has many that are flying off the shelves, and we're very proud of our different rosaries, uh, including, we're very proud of EWTN's Warriors Rosary as well, which has been available for many years on EWTN. We've got our American Heroes Rosary. We've got the Rosary for the United States, all of them very popular. And, uh, and we are happy to be rosary radicals when it comes to praying the rosary and nothing Mother Angelica would approve of more. I wanted your, your take on that attack on the rosary. What do you think? Well, I think it's utterly ridiculous, like anybody with any intellect must think. I mean, good grief. I mean, talk about a leaping non sequitur. I mean, uh, it simply does not follow. <laughs> I mean, you, you're going to say that because somebody, uh, you know, who uh, happens to be a, an extremist uh, in, in uh, firearms or something uses the rosary, therefore the entire movement mm -hmm. has co-opted the rosary and the rosary somehow is promoting violence and so forth and so on. I mean, it's so utterly ridiculous. I, I'm so glad the rosaries are flying off the shelves, but it certainly exposes mm -hmm. Atlantic uh, for uh, publishing that article uh, for uh, uh, really the uh, incredibly bad editorial policy that it's promoting. So uh, I think um, this says much more about the publisher and about the right. author than it certainly does about people who say the rosary meaningfully and most of the time say it for the sake of peace and right. say it for the sake of a good uh, civil order. Right. So uh, I, I think it's um, honestly it's so ridiculous. It, well, it's one, really, right. uh, it, it, yeah, so deserving of ridicule. Right, absolutely. Exactly. Again, the, the war, war we're talking about is a spiritual war. That's the war oh, you, yeah. we're talking about. Uh, when we, and it's yeah, EW10RC.com. If I don't say that, uh, religious catalog will be disappointed in me. EW10RC.com. You check out all the wonderful rosaries that are there. If you don't have one already, or if you can't afford one, I'm sure if you get in touch with our viewer services department, we'll get you one of the basic rosaries we, we can provide to people because we want everybody to be armed in this world of sick secularism, which obviously seems to like to attack the church. Yeah, not only sick secularism, but uh, leaping non sequitur secularism. <laughs> Even better. <laughs> I, gotta, I gotta find out that leaping non sequiturs there. But it's also <laughs> interesting with this too, because you watch some television programs, you've got people out there who they themselves might have been raised Catholic, maybe they haven't seen a rosary in years, but you know what? Their mom prayed the rosary, or their grandmother prayed the rosary. And oh, yeah. there's nothing people dislike more than attacking your mother or your grandmother. Oh, yeah, exactly. And, you know, uh, all of our gun-toting, um, you know, mamas and, and grandmothers, you know, <laughs> that are out there, uh, a rosary in one hand and, you know, AR-15 in the other. Uh, come on. I mean, this is just, so, it's such a stretch. I mean, it's such a does not follow. It's such a, you know, it's not a translogical leap. It's a non-logical leap. It's mm. just plain ridiculous. Mm. And so, like I said, it reflects much more on the author and the publisher than it does on anybody who's saying the rosary. I'm proud to be associated with the rosary and, and certainly uh, am pr proud to be, as it were, um, dissociated from, uh, from the Atlantic and, uh, and its author.
<laughs> okay, let's move on to some other topics. Uh, this one a little more harrowing. Uh, it's an article the, here that talks about uh, the idea that this is an EW10 article. Doctor says Boston Gender Clinic mutilates and sterilizes children. And it's a story, according to the hospital's website, and I don't know if you've heard about this video, Boston Children's Center for Gender Surgery offers a full suite of treatment options for children and teens to transfer seamlessly into transition surgeries, including double mastectomies for children as young as 15, and sterilizing genital surgeries for teens. And the program has seen over 1,000 patients, some as young as three years old. Dr. Michelle Cortella of the Catholic Medical Association, she's a pediatrician, uh, condemned this program. She said these surgeries do not treat mental illness nor prevent suicide, but they do mutilate and permanently sterilize children for no who have no capacity to assess, let alone consent, to such life-changing interventions. Are you surprised by this going on now? Oh, I'm, I think uh, uh, the medical, um, certain parts of the medical establishment have been paving the way for this for quite some time. I mean, obviously, there are lucrative um, uh, services to be uh, offered um, in this area, but um, uh, this, uh, the uh, pediatrician, uh, she is right on the marker. Uh, as you know, 10 years after um, a teen, or not a teen, but a person, um, has a surgery, mm -hmm. uh, trans, uh, 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 you know, gender, uh, you know, a sexual reassignment surgery, uh, once that happens, you wait 10 years, you have a 20 times increase, a 2,000% increase in suicides. Not 20%, not 200% not increase, a 2,000% increase mm -hmm. in suicides. So she's right to point out, you better have a lot of therapy attached, not to therapy after the surgery. That's not, lots of therapies offered after the, 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 the um, sexual reassignment surgery, but by that time, it's mm -hmm. too late. The body is mutilated, buyer's remorse has set in, and the treatment that was not received prior to adolescence, the necessary treatment to treat the anxiety of the person who is feeling this. Remember that about um, uh, 40, between 40 to 60 percent of the young people who are asking for sexual reassignment surgery, those person, those people, those, uh, those young people, uh, they have been physically or sexually abused. And in addition to that, uh, a much higher percentage uh, of those teens are living in a household with significant anxiety where a child who does not know better is blaming himself or herself for the anxiety within the household and thinking that the real cause uh, is that the parents are angry at them because they were born with the wrong sex. And so, of course, uh, this kind of anxiety needs to be treated not after the surgery, before the surgery. So if you have a therapeutic option prior to adolescence in place to work with p victims of uh, physical and sexual abuse, to work with people who have dealt with the high anxiety in the household mm. that they blame themselves for, and to also work uh, through uh, the kinds of uh, other problems of, you know, uh, you know hating oneself mm -hmm. for having opposite gender attraction, 
the other kinds of things that are involved. These are th major anxieties. And if you get the trifecta, all three of them, so you hate yourself for having opposite gender trajectory, you basically are, are trying to you know, justify your parents' uh, anxiety and anger within the household. You blame yourself and think it's about you know, mm -hmm. your gender. You, you also have been physically and sexually abused. If you have the trifecta, you've got a, a pot full of anxiety. Now, to add to it, you have a, a, um, a sexual reassignment surgery, and then, of course, for the first year or two, you think, this is great. Mm. It's exactly what I want. It's everything I ever asked for. Wait another six, seven years, mm -hmm. and all of a sudden, the buyer's remorse sets in and adds itself to the other three untreated problems, which were the real problem. Uh, the real reason why that person was asking for sexual reassignment surgery. The real problem is, you know, you're not born biologically into the world, uh, you know, a man trapped in a woman's body or a woman right. trapped in a man's body. That's not the reason. And these anxieties are the reason, but you let those go on, then of course the person invariably is going to feel uh, buyer's remorse when of course those anxieties right. reoccur Right. And then they have, they're dismembered uh, by the um, uh, members of right. the medical community. Yeah, the mutilation and, and things that go on. I mean, yeah. It's happening. In fact, I wanted yeah, to absolutely. jump into what you're saying because part of the yeah. article they mentioned, and, and maybe this is a story, I, it, it's been out there for the, the last month or two, the Tavistock Clinic in the U.K., was closed as a result of an independent review earlier this year after complaints made by whistleblowers, patients and their families, including 25-year-old Kira Bell, who brought a high court case against Cleveland for prescribing her cross-sex hormones and facilitating, facilitating her sex transition, said it's ironic that the Boston Children's Hospital's announcement should come about just two weeks ago. Tavistock Clinic in the UK, the world's largest children's gender clinic, was shut down due to risk of harm from gen transgender interventions, and that's in the UK. Well, I've got to say, um, I hope we're learning something here mm -hmm. in the U.S. because if you follow those U.K. statistics, uh, you're going to see that uh, uh, that everything I've been talking about. By the way, this is mm -hmm. all set out uh, very, very well um, uh, in several articles uh, written by. Um, um, Mayor and McHugh, mm -hmm. uh, two professors over at Johns Hopkins University, uh, they wrote up uh, the study a while back in several different journals. And there's another very excellent article uh, that sets the problem out in the National Catholic uh, Bioethics Quarterly. Mm -hmm. uh, that's the National Catholic Bioethics Quarterly. But you can get it free online. Mm -hmm. It was written by Dr. Richard Fitzgibbons and okay. two other colleagues. And so if you just look up Fitzgibbons, uh, the, um, the drawbacks of uh, sexual reassignment mm -hmm. surgery, you can get all the statistics. I mean, it's, it's a huge article. It's like right. a 70-page article, and it is footnoted to the hilt. Mm -hmm. It's a really excellent scholarly right. um, uh, scientific and piece. But the, the point I'm trying to get to is we need to start acknowledging 
how harmful this is. How can you say there's a 20 times increase uh, in the suicide rate? How can you say this in one breath and say in the next breath, quick, get that person before they've had any therapy. Quick, right. get them a sexual reassignment surgery when they're asking for it. And let's do the prep work mm -hmm. while uh, you know they're pre-adolescents. You've got to be kidding me. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is so irresponsible. It's so unethical. It just should stop. And the medical establishment should police itself and stop it itself because all they're doing is feeding the suicide machine. They're not mm -hmm. making people happy. And, and uh, it, let's right. get to the root causes, the real causes. What are the, the, the main anxieties that are coming out that are, are sort of uh, you know, provoking this request on the part of these uh, kids, these pre-adolescents? And certainly, let's not support that because we know that upwards of 70% of those kids we know that if without therapy, mm. that if they just wait it out without any reinforcement from somebody or you know hormone preparation from somebody, we know they're going to switch back to their natural biological sex, and that will be their sexual identity. So it turns out that it was kind of, as it were, a false alarm. That's upwards of seventy percent. Right. So. Let's say, and we also you know, have to look behind of some here. of these things too, and look at who's funding some of the research related to this and other things. And you, unfortunately, you're finding out many times companies that will benefit by these kinds of things becoming more popular are the ones mm -hmm. who are underwriting some of the research or even some of the work that's getting done. Let's move on to another topic. Sure. I wanted to get to this one because uh, it goes back to last month, but it was. Uh, an interesting uh, article, it uh, actually comes out of uh, a local newspaper, and a, a question was asked, I guess, to uh, Bishop Thomas J. Paprocki, okay, of Springfield, uh -huh. Illinois, he's a very good man, and the person uh -huh. wrote, Father, Father Jim Martin believes that Catholic politicians who support access to abortion should be permitted to receive communion. He notes that Jesus dined with tax collectors and sinners. Could the good father point out where the text Jesus uh, they deny dying, this is my body, this is my blood. He's trying to make the point that they're not exactly the same. But I thought Bishop Pabrocki said, Jesus broke bread with sinners, but he also called them to conversion. This always gets left out. He didn't leave them in sin. He required they choose between following him and rejecting his call. He goes on to say, to receive absolution, the penitent must have sincere contrition, which includes the resolution not to sin again. Typically, such matters are private and impossible for the minister of Holy Communion to know. But with a public figure who publicly and obstinately persists in promoting grave evil, the matter is laid bare for all to see, adding scandal, another thing we never talk about anymore, and confusion of the faithful to the weight of the sin. I just thought it was a good response. Oh, I think it's an excellent response, and I think it's absolutely true. Everybody knows about the, the woman caught in adultery. Mm. And, um, uh, you know, as Father Martin has said, uh, Jesus' first response to the woman was, Woman, um, where is everyone? Has no one condemned you? Mm -hmm. And she said, No one, sir. And Jesus says, Nor do I condemn you. Now go and sin no more or in some translations, mm. commit this sin no more. Mm. There is the call to conversion, and she has to make the free choice to follow it. 
but uh, he doesn't just mm -hmm. let her off the hook and just drop the ball. He calls her to conversion, and I think uh, Bishop Paprocki is right on the mark. Right. I know there's uh, sometimes a particular priest I hear once in a while, he constantly talks about, the, you know, God loves you just the way you are. And, uh, you know, and that's true. He does. But he never goes down the road of, but he loves you too much to leave you there. And, and that idea that to, you're called to conversion. That's right. And so, I mean, the, the main thing, of course, Jesus loves you just the way you are. Of course, uh, he offers uh, unconditional forgiveness uh, so long as you truly are repentant, that you have mm -hmm. a firm purpose of amendment uh, in your life. You're trying to, to change back. You're trying to follow his teaching. Of course, Jesus wants you to follow his teaching. Right. Uh, this is the entire point. So, um, uh, if, you know, in, in view of all of this, of course, uh, um, you know, I, I'd have to say that uh, Paprocki is right on the right. market. Yeah, Jesus loves us too much to leave us where we are. And by the way, you know, just after, if you don't have a firm purpose of amendment, oh, the devil will be at your elbow immediately. I mean, he's right. going to work on you, um, you know, to to try and get, bring you right back to where you were. You need that firm purpose mm. of amendment to get out of the darkness. Right. You just can't, you know, I mean, obviously Jesus is going to, you know, his forgiveness and absolution is absolute as absolution suggests. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, um, the, uh, um, the, the, uh, the need for conversion and the right. firm purpose of amendment doesn't mean you're going to be perfect, doesn't mean you have to succeed, but you sure have to try. You right. sure have to want to try. And if you don't want to try, uh, I, you know, it really does uh, in, in so many ways uh, affect uh, you know, the uh, the power of absolution and, of course, right. the protection of absolution. And um, all I can tell you is that uh, um, at the end of the day, um, uh, the devil will be right back at your elbow pulling you right. into the darkness. And without that firm purpose, he'll get you right back there. Uh, he'll get right. you back as fast as possible. Right. Sometimes I think there's this impression put out there when they talk about Jesus meeting with tax collectors and sinners that he thought they were the cool crowd and he'd rather hang out with them because he liked them more as opposed to the fact that they needed him more. Well, that's right. They did need him more and Jesus knew they needed him more and they had been excluded uh, by um, a major uh, portion of the Pharisees as being sort of the untouchables. Mm -hmm. And so, of course, Jesus has to break through that um, and reach out to them to bring them back in. Mm -hmm. And we know that many of them did uh, convert. We know Zacchaeus, uh, you, know, you know, expresses his firm purpose of mm -hmm. If I've done anything wrong, I'm going to repay fourfold. I'm going to do all of these things. And, of course, Jesus hears his repentance, hears his desire to change, right, to turn his life around. And the same thing, I mean, Matthew, I mean, you know, he's basically a chief tax collector. Mm -hmm. Jesus invites him right into his family, right? This group of apostles is not, of course, his, his blood family, but uh, right. certainly uh, it's his um, apostolic family and in every way his spiritual family. And so he invites them right into table fellowship. And Matthew, he's got a lot of money. Uh, if you're a head tax collector, you're making it rich. You're doing great. Right. And, of course, he turns right around 
and he follows him. Mm -hmm. I mean, the, I, it's pretty clear Matthew had a real conversion, a right. real turning of heart, a real metanoia. Right, absolutely. One last story just before we get to some questions, if we can, before the break. Mm -hmm. uh, and I do this in honor of you as a lifelong Dodger fan. Vin Scully, <laughs> legendary baseball announcer, committed Catholic, dies at 94. And I thought it was interesting because uh, he was a longtime parishioner of St. Jude the Apostle Church in Westlake, Virginia, and was instrumental along with Catholics for Christ in arranging masses to be celebrated. Uh, and he also uh, created a two-CD audio recording of the Rosary back in 2016. And you read about his life. He had a lot of uh, tough things happen in his life, death and of his uh, father early on. And despite these hardships, Scully said his faith has not wavered. Faith is the one thing that makes it work, makes me keep going. And uh, he told the Angeles News in 2016. This was another one. He went to Fordham University, okay? And he said he took a seminar called, and, you, and it has to do with speaking perfectly. It's a Jesuit uh, thing, eloquentia perfecta or something. Perfecta. Perfecta, yeah. about speaking well. I think, I think you must have taken that course, too. So uh, we owe the yeah. Jesuits for why Vince Scully was so good. Yeah, I have to say uh, Vince was certainly, um, you know, a very brave and fearless a Catholic, he just uh, put his faith right out there in so many different ways, mm -hmm. and and um, he certainly, uh, I think, his rosary is a very devout uh, rosary, and mm -hmm. I think everybody knows. I mean, gosh, you know, everybody knew Vince Scully was a Catholic. Everybody, mm -hmm. he just didn't hide it, and of course, he his association at St. Jude's, and prior to that, mm -hmm. you know, in L.A., you know, uh, uh, was very, very well known. So. Uh, uh, in any case, um, yeah, applaud to uh, to a, a life very well lived, and of right. course a faith uh, very well lived within that life. Right, Dodger Blue. There you go. Dodger Next Blue. Up, right there you go. <laughs> uh, here's a here's a couple of questions. We'll get to us right before the break here. Uh, dear Father Spitzer, the banter between you and Doug is truly an enjoyable experience. Your teaching about the Catholic faith is invaluable. See. We do have a fan. Recently, you answered a yeah. question about nutrition and hydration during a dying process, saying they were required. I spoke to my pastor about this. He answered that once the body begins breaking down and the dying process is underway, nutrition and hydration can be withdrawn. Uh, you just wouldn't withdraw them too soon, causing the death of the person. Would you comment on this, Gina? Yeah, well, Gina, um, what your pastor's trying to say is this. I mean, he's trying to make it a real fine-edged decision. Mm -hmm. the, the main thing is you really can't, um, once you, with the hydration nutrition, you, you don't want to withdraw it so that you cause the death of the person by the withdrawal. Mm -hmm. But if the body is already dying, mm -hmm. and what he means by the dying process is that there is, you know, the, the gasping and and so forth. Uh, I, mm. I don't want to get into all the uh, complexities right. of it, but right. there's obviously real signs that the body is uh, truly physically mm. breaking down now. So that the removal of the hydration, the nutrition is not going to cause death. The body is doing that on its own and will cause death before, you know, before the removal of hydration nutrition could cause death. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. At that point, yes, you can remove 
hydration and nutrition. But there should be sufficient signs right. that the body is in the process of dying. And, and that's where the rub turns in in many of these things where you move from you know the specific situation to a more expanded view of that. I mean I know one of the arguments used to be well if you were feeding stomach cancer or something with the nutrition is that uh, allowed to be withdrawn? Oh I see. Uh, well sometimes uh, I see because the nutrition has sugar in it. Um, I really haven't examined that question right. but let me just read some of the medical uh, case law on it and I can get back to you on Great. it. But okay. I, I really haven't looked um, at that but yeah sugars do mm. of course um, exacerbate uh, cancer. I mean right. uh, so. uh, cancers need a sugar environment to, uh, to thrive so I, I, I suppose uh, there might be something there, but I got to right. look at some uh, okay. of the medical case. Well, we're not going to put you on the spot. Don't worry. I've yeah. done that too many <laughs> other times. Here's another question before we go to break. Uh, dear Father Spitzer, what is the senior level course that you mentioned on your show that anyone who takes it has a pretty much zero chance of being an atheist afterwards? I have a college-age son who is dating an atheist girl, and she's dragged them away from the faith. She's studying to be a scientist for NASA, though there's a lot of science involved. I'd love to recommend your course to her and to my son so that they may receive light from our Lord. Michael. Okay, so this course is meant for seniors in high school, mm -hmm. um, but it still may be applicable uh, to somebody who is in college. But it's meant for seniors in high school, and I think it's high enough level, uh, definitely for um, students in college. It's put out by Sophia Press, Sophia Institute for Teachers, mm -hmm. S-O-P-H-I-A, and it's called Sophia um, uh, uh, Institute for Teachers, and the course is called um, the Cath uh, uh, Science and the Catholic Faith. Mm -hmm. Science and the Catholic Faith. So all you've got to do is um, write uh, to Sophia, you know, just on their little line there. Um, they have a, you know, a contact us button on their website mm -hmm. um, for Sophia Institute. You just uh, go to that contact us and just say, oh, I want to hear all about Spitzer's course on um, apologetics uh, one. Uh, the, it's called Apologetics One, the Church and, and uh, the Catholic Faith and, and Science. And just say, I'd like to get the uh, pricey on it. Mm -hmm. And the, um, you know, this course, by the way, if, uh, you know, if, if you want to put it in a high school, mm -hmm. um, anywhere, uh, it, it contains all the lesson plans, student textbook, teacher's guide, hints on how to do it. We even come out to a diocese and talk to the diocese about it. Mm. Um, you know, so I and another uh, person, um, uh, Jose Gar Garcia, we would come out there and give a talk to the teachers of your diocese uh, to do that. Very good. I figured since I was slugging uh, EWTN rosaries there, I'd make sure you, you got a chance to talk about one of your wonderful courses there. <laughs> with, with, that, with that being said, we're going to take a break. Of course, much more ahead. Stay with us for part two of Father Spitzer's Universe.
And welcome back to part two of Father Spitzer's Universe. I'm Doug Keck. Satan customizes his temptations. Boy, does he. From Father's great book, Christ versus Satan in Our Daily Lives. We want to turn to Father. We're on battery power here. You know, uh, yeah. well, the, <laughs> the lithium crystals have failed, and uh, so we had to switch to battery. But we're going to continue as best we can here. Uh, another question. Dear Father Spitzer, our diocesan newspaper printed a letter from a reader claiming that using a gun to defend oneself was no different than abortion. The woman argued we have to be like Jesus and turn the other cheek if someone breaks into our home. This is basically pacifism. I do not think this is church teaching. Can we defend ourselves, Mike? Mike, I hope that wasn't a Catholic paper uh, because it is not church teaching and it is dead wrong. You do have the right to self-defense. And of course, this is not only enshrined in Catholic doctrine, it's a beautiful defense is made by St. Thomas Aquinas. So if you just put right of self-defense there, uh, St. Thomas Aquinas, you'll get the Summa Theologica articles uh, on it. And it is very different from abortion. Abortion is the taking of another human life intentionally. So the mm -hmm. intention is to kill an innocent human being. Where the difference comes in with self-defense, a person is coming in to your house. Your intention is not to kill him. And your intention is never to kill him because it is wrong to intend to murder somebody just to murder him. However, he comes into your house, he looks threatening, and he looks like he's threatening you and your family. Now you are trying to stop the threat. And when you stop the threat and you, 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 you hit him and he is disarmed, or he is wounded and therefore can no longer harm your family, mm. right? Once that ha has happened, then yes, you wouldn't say, man, I, I really dislike you, and then shoot him another couple of times. Right. What right. you have to do is um, kill, uh, you know, is to wound him. Now, if it so happens that you kill him in trying to disarm him or in trying to stop him, from doing harm, and it so happens you kill him, but it wasn't your intention to kill him, uh, your intention was right. to stop him from killing your family, then that would, it's okay, because your intention was not to kill, but to defend right. your family. Would that be something process, like a double effect? I mean, where the intention double is effect, one thing, exactly. and then the, something else happens. Okay, here's another question right. uh, for you. Dear Father Spitzer, in the past you mentioned that it is God's plan for us to interact and care for each other, especially since we live in a broken, imperfect world. In light of this, could you please comment on the efforts of meta platforms, formerly Facebook, and other firms to create a virtual reality metaverse? What pitfalls and opportunities do you foresee with such endeavors, John? Well, John, I, I think, you know, the opportunities, of course, there are many, and of course, we could use the metaverse for evangelization in many different ways. I mean, so there's, there's certainly opportunities there, but there are two major problems that are always there with these new kinds of advances. The first thing is it presents a, a, a distraction of enormous proportion. So in, in other words, uh, you know, to do unproductive things on the internet, it, it can become another form of addictive entertainment on the internet. Mm -hmm. And boy, I'll tell you, the metaverse 
it sure has like double, triple the addictive potential of just ordinary gaming technologies. If you can experience and enter into the game 3D, right, I mean, imagine. So let's suppose you're addicted to gaming, and a lot of kids are. Mm. Make no mistake about that. I mean, they, they can't even turn the, the computer off till 3 in the morning. They can't even get up at a reasonable hour because they're so exhausted from gaming all night that they can't be gainfully employed. Mm. They're turning into ne'er-do-wells all around us. And, and you know, you, you look at that and you go, oh, my gosh, you know, what's going on here? Imagine this. Imagine doubling the addiction or tripling the addiction by letting you enter into, and as it were, enter into the experience of the game. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's just another level up of drawing you in, keeping you in, addicting you, so that you lose more and more and more hours. Now, instead of turning the thing off at 3 o'clock, you're turning it off at 6 o'clock from sheer exhaustion. Mm -hmm. But for sure, um, you know, at the end of the day, this, is, this has a real deleterious effect on people's efficacy, uh, not just self-efficacy, but efficacy on behalf of their families, right. et cetera. Right. There's a second problem, right. too. And of course, if you, uh, you know, don't think for a moment that the metaverse is not going to be used for pornography and other kinds of addictions to enhance that quote-unquote experience. It will be. We're naive if we think that it will not be used for this purpose and because of course so much of the internet right now is taken up with that purpose. Do I think this is a good turn of events? I think it's a horrible turn of events. I think it's something that will already take our, you know, as it were, sex-addicted culture and I think it's just, uh, as we know, uh, you know, um, addiction to pornography um, and sex addiction already, uh, right, is the fastest growing addiction in the United States, right? Six percent of people, you know, are, are <clears throat> have alcohol-related addictions. Five uh, to six percent have drug-related addictions. Ha! That's nothing. Pornography addictions already surpass them. It's already 11% in the country. Wow. So, I mean, it's like it's gripping people. And with the metaverse, oh, I see some real difficult problems coming. Now, of course, will the industry regulate itself or will we get regulations? No. Immediately, if you try to regulate, they're going to say free speech, right? You're inhibiting my free speech. I should be able to have metaverse pornography addiction if I want it. Mm -hmm. You know, what's the harm anyway? Pornography's victimless. No, it's not victimless. It's one of the worst kinds of, it brings on huge increases in depression. Uh, the, the, the longer you are addicted to pornography, the, uh, um, the worse your religious commitment becomes until, of course, when you're watching pornography for a certain amount of hours per week, uh, you're already, you stop practicing religion altogether. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, it's inversely correlated. And then on the, uh, then you have a third problem, uh, of course, is that you start, um, you lose your capacity for emotional intimacy. You basically reduce women uh, to uh, objects uh, for all intents and purposes. Right. And what does that do? It makes the divorce rate go up by 2.5 times because, uh, you know, honestly, pornography is like having another 
the woman in right. in the room, as it were, another sexual partner in the marriage, uh, and it affects it that adversely. Two point right. five times higher divorce rate. So uh, you know, just imagine bringing the metaverse on. I mean, I, I of course I'm right. worried. Right. I mean, uh, and by the way, do I think you know artificial? duplications of real-life experience and real-life uh, people. Do I really think this is helping us? Do I really think this is helping us to manage our social problem, to deepen our familial care, to deepen our emotional intimacy in marriage, to de deepen our religious commitment? No, 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 and no. Mm -hmm. And another artificial environment, which of course has the, the illusion of control, right in it and that's what makes it so addictive and there's no consequences for the behavior uh, in in the uh, metaphors which makes it so addictive right, right? Uh, the illusion of, of of this of course produces what I call the escapism from real life and real life well that's what we're about you know, having real families and real workplace commitments and real contributions to society and real relationship with God and real orientation towards salvation and real moral conversion. I mean, this is not going right. to be enhanced by new and improved no, artificial uh, environment. And it just will get worse. I can play. Yeah, it'll get worse, as you indicated. I know years ago when I worked on the Playboy Channel, and I apologize for that. I'm just bringing it up, but you could see how it got harder and harder and harder and has to get more and more perverse to keep people enticed as a drug. All right. Especially in pornography. Exactly. Let me get to one last question that uh, before we get to uh, the book. Uh, just quickly, uh, my son was raised Catholic, Father Spitzer. In high school, he became interested in reading his daily horoscope. I don't know if people still did that. Once in college, he became immersed in the idea, and now he won't make a major decision without consulting his astrologers. How do I convince him this is a load of rubbish? This is Susan. Maybe you should call Father Mitch. He's pretty good on debunking uh, astrology, but go ahead. <laughs> well, there's no scientific correlation whatsoever between the movement of the stars or the crossing of stars and anyone's fortune on this earth. So absolutely, scientifically, no correlation whatsoever. The second thing, of course, is it brings a bogus criterion into your decision-making process. And of course, it's polluting your frontal lobe with all kinds of irrelevant information that not only complexifies the process, but oftentimes erroneously moves your thinking process and judgment process into a different uh, and, and less efficacious realm. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, you're, you're making a decision that's uh, in principle no darn good. Mm -hmm. So, of course, uh, you know, what in the world, you know, and there's absolutely, you mm -hmm. look up any decent journal that is science-oriented that talks about astrology. There's not one scintilla of connection between y living your real life mm -hmm. and where the stars are in the sky.
Right. And if you think that this is caused by some kind of uh, divine perturbation, like God acts according to the position of the stars, that's not Christian. That's not Jesus right. Christ. That's not the Catholic Church. That certainly is very perverse spiritualism. It's the kind of stuff that Hitler believed in, right. honestly. Hitler wouldn't make a decision um, without consulting his astrologer. But thank goodness for that. Mm -hmm. because of course or thank God for that because uh, at the end of the day the astrologer was giving him such bad advice right. that uh, um, he made uh, so many terrible strategic moves militarily that we were able to win the right. war much more quickly right I think also as I recall uh, from something father Mitch said a number of years ago there's actually they were wrong in where your sign actually falls they don't even have the the, the, the windows to the dates. I mean, it's it's just a mess. So with that yeah. being said, we're going to go to your book, which is not a mess, uh, but it is a leaping <laughs> sequitur, uh, um, uh, non-sequitur. Uh, in your book, you talk about rationalizations, and one of the things you use is one that's very up forward and straightforward. You say many of these rationalizations as temptations are kind of subtle. And you say that uh, if the person submits to the temptation, the evil one will follow rapidly with false consolation, other rationalizations, the cushion has fallen, minimize his perception of its effect. What would be an example of that? Well, sure. So let's suppose, um, you know, uh, um, you, you, uh, uh, you're turning on, we're speaking of pornography, okay. So you turn on some television channel on your cable channel. Uh, on your TV, and there you are looking at some uh, pornography. It's not hardcore pornography, but it's pretty clearly uh, pornography. And uh, you say, well, uh, this is not really, uh, you know, hardcore. I mean, everybody's watching. So there is the first rationalization, right? So you say, uh, you know, everybody's doing this. I mean, I, I talk to my friends at work, and they say, you know, I, I'm, I have this cable channel, too, and I, I'm watching this stuff, too. And, I mean, everybody's doing it. Mm. I mean, you practically a prude not to do it. And so uh, uh, the, the, the secondary thing is, uh, is that... Um, is that, uh, um, you know, once you sort of submit and you start looking at that, as you just pointed out, Doug, mm. the next thing is, is, eh, this stuff really isn't affecting me as much. Right. I wonder if there's another cable channel or two that maybe has something, uh, you know, a little bit uh, uh, more exciting. Mm. And so, of course, the, the, you, you can be sure that the evil spirit will uh, make your hunt for that more exciting channel uh, altogether more successful. Mm -hmm. So you'll find something and you just say, well, at least I'm not subscribing to the Playboy channel here. I'm just subscribing to an enhanced cable package which has a couple of these uh, more extreme uh, channels on it. And uh, they're pretty good, mm -hmm. you know. And uh, you say, oh, it's victimless. It's a victimless sin. No, no problem with that. Of course, you know who's giving you that. Uh, mm -hmm. lie because it's a total lie and anything uh, you know it's so far from the truth I mean the depression level skyrocketing religious commitment plummeting and mm -hmm. at the, the same time um, you, you know you are forming an addiction which is ruining your marriage ruining your emotional intimacy ruining your connection with your children intimacy with your children at the you know all you can do half the time is think about what risky sexual behavior you're going to go towards etc but I mean basically 
he'll tell you it's victimless. Mm -hmm. And of course, you're anxious to believe the rationalization. So believing in that, you think, oh gosh, mm -hmm. God, you know, understands us. You know, we're just, you know, m you know, guys. We we like a, a, a lot of pornography in our lives. You know, this stuff is not really, really hard. Right. For. I'm under a lot of stress. So, uh, I've got a lot of yeah. Things I'm going under a lot on. of stress, and I need to, need to relax. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. So uh, et cetera, et cetera. Right. So, but eventually, you can see he just builds it step by step. So then you 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 say, well, gee, what about this channel? And you go one mm -hmm. stage higher. Rationalization comes for that stage. Mm -hmm. Next stage, the next thing you know, of course, you're into full-blown addiction on really risky channels, et cetera, et cetera, paying subscriptions for terrible things, um, you know, that you would have never dreamt of doing. Right. Like, uh, like even uh, half a year before, and within six months, he's got you, you know, literally uh, hooked on stuff that is right. just unimaginable to anybody who is looking from the outside. You say, this isn't, you know, the person I once knew. Right. Uh, th this person is, there's something wrong with him. He's affectively challenged. Mm -hmm. There's something wrong with him. He's he's emotively and uh, you know uh, you know intimacy-wise, he's challenged. Mm -hmm. There's something wrong with him. He just treats people with a lack of respect that he right, never right. you know felt that as way objects, before. Something. As objects, many yeah. times, right? That's what you see. As objects, exactly. Right, right, exactly. And at the end of the day, he's depressed. And he's stopping to, uh, his, his practice of religion. Mm. He's not praying anymore. Which is the goal. He's finding excuses for not the, going to uh, church. Of the temptation, right? That's yeah. the goal of the temptation. To That's ultimately the goal pull you of away. the temptation. Right. That's exactly right. And then it was interesting, too, because I jumped to page 220, and you talk about it in some of the higher level, but the idea of how quickly uh, he goes from consolation to accusation. Oh, yeah. Oh, so once you fall, mm. you're a no-good, rotten guy. Right. Now, I'll tell you one thing, though. He may wait a little while mm. um, until he's got you built up into maybe third or fourth stage of pornography right. addiction, mm -hmm. right? He, he may wait, and then, you know, just to exacerbate the depression, mm -hmm. right, then he comes on board and says, you wretch. I mean, look at what you're watching. Imagine if your wife saw this, mm -hmm. right? I mean, you uh, you wouldn't have a chance. Imagine, you know, if your colleagues at work knew you were really watching this. I mean, I mean, you wretch. I mean, and of course, now, of course, he feels isolated. He feels like, oh, I can't even go to confession anymore. A uh, priest will never understand me because I've done this. Oh, believe me, priests hear about this all the time. Mm. But of course, the devil's going to say he won't understand. You're worse than anyone in the world. You know, face up to it. I'm your only friend. Right. You know, pornography's your only friend. Just, uh, you know, you'll feel much better about yourself if you just go one step further. So much more exciting. What could be wrong? Victimless sin. And right. so that's how he works. He's, he's very, right. uh, very cagey. He has it all planned out. Um, that's uh, right. That's on, his on page page two twenty eight, you say the evil one stresses his false doctrine that God only looks at a believer's imperfections. Yeah, that's right. In fact, uh, that's precisely when when you know he's reaching the denouement, right? When the mm -hmm. devil is getting to the position where he really wants you 
uh, in. Then, of course, with the accusation, he's trying not just to make you a wretch. What he's trying to do is say, God hates you for it. Mm -hmm. And then he's trying to change your view of God so that you no longer can turn to God in your need, right? Mm -hmm. So basically, you are uh, basically stuck with, um, as it were, you know, pushing uh, God away from you. You can't invite him in. You can't mm -hmm. even say, please help me get out of this jam that I'm in. I'm so addicted, you know, and, and, and I, don't go to anybody. That priest could tell you to go to, um, you know, uh, addiction counseling. That priest could actually tell you, uh, you know, have you ever heard of Sex Addicts Anonymous mm -hmm. uh, or a 12-step uh, group that could really help you? Or that priest could tell, might tell you uh, that you ought to be using some accountability software and to get on with a group of people who want one another to call them to accountability, have, they can see what sites you're looking at and can monitor and help you. Mm -hmm. You know, he's gonna, he wants to isolate you. And he wants to make sure that, you know, uh, uh, in your isolation, you feel that you can't even turn to God. The, certainly, mm -hmm. the priest isn't gonna understand you. They're not gonna make any positive suggestions to help you. And surely, God, since you're such a wretch, you're so unlovable, how could God love you now? I mean, let's face facts. You're on your own, and I'm your only right. friend. In other words, the devil's your only friend. So the idea, right. you know, is pretty clear. Right. Uh, you know, what, what he has in mind. But don't get isolated. Uh, don't ever believe that the Lord stops loving you, which he doesn't stop right. loving you. You know, got to turn to him. You've got to ask for forgiveness. Get to the sacrament of reconciliation. Ask around if you're uncomfortable with, mm -hmm. uh, you know, a, a priest. Ask around for somebody who might know a priest, right. right? This is done throughout the centuries, right? How did everybody find out about the curé of ours that they came from all over the, well, the Europe to, to go to confession with him? Because the word got out. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of great confessors out there who can really, really help you people who will be understanding and have good positive suggestions. But what the devil is going to do is say, nay, nay, mm. listen to me. God's really angry mm. and he really can't stand you. Yeah. And God just looks at your imperfections. Yeah, because God he's very really disappointed in you, right? He's very he's disappointed. Very disappointed. disappointed right? Indeed, he's disgusted with mm. you. After all the effort he put in. Uh, just before yeah. we go, we've got a, less than a minute. But in the fourth group, you talk about, and we can just hint about this a little bit. You say how the, the, the devil, in a sense, or Satan moves from rather temptation to confrontation. Yeah, that's right. So, uh, in other words, um, uh, he does it in two ways. Mm -hmm. The first thing, of course, is through accusation, right, um, you know, he's basically confronting you. You know, he's acting like uh, the, the judge that uh, he wants to pretend God is, but, of course, mm -hmm. God is not that kind of a judge. If you just hear hateful rhetoric from God in your 
um, mind's ear, right, pretty much you know that's the evil spirit. God is not going to give you hateful rhetoric and accuse you of terrible things. But, it, you know, if that confrontation mm -hmm. doesn't work and it looks like you're headed for some kind of a repentance, you're going to try and make a firm purpose of amendment and get yourself out of this condition that you're in, right? So you're heading in the right direction. Oh, he'll confront you all right. And I mean, right. he's going to exert his control over you. Um, he's going to throw a billion temptations in you. He's going to produce nightmares in you. He's going to try and drag you right back under his domain. And so just don't pay attention. Right. And just I have to confront to you, Father, with confession. the fact that we are totally out of time. It's uh, page 229. We'll be back there the next time. Father, if you'll okay. give us your blessing on the way out the door, you that'd bet. be great. You bet. And bow your heads and pray for God's blessing. And may Almighty God bless you and send his Holy Spirit of protection upon you. May he grant you the wisdom to know his voice versus the voice of your enemy. And in recognition of his voice, to want to follow it more and more every day. And through that wanting to follow it more and more every day. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Father Spitzer. Be well. We shall see you next time. And don't forget about Father Spitzer's books and DVDs, all available through our EW10 Religious Catalog. Next week, a special show where we answer viewer questions that we've got in our mailbag. And EW10 bookmarked this week in our Life of Service, the handbook for Catholic Deacons by Deacon Harold Burke Sivers, a great friend of the network. Check that out. He's always fun. And, of course, we've got Word on the Word. It's our wonderful, the other image of our young ladies there doing a wonderful program posted on Facebook and YouTube, Instagram every Wednesday. Give you some insights into the upcoming gospel. I'm Doug Keck. We hope you get insights every week in Father's Business Universe. We'll see you next time. Thanks. <music>